Hello, Petronella, and welcome to the Grown Up Girls Report Book Club. Hi, Alex. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's so lovely to have you back because we were lucky enough to chat earlier in the year about the wonderful psychological thriller Six Minutes, which, you know, I think, as I mentioned to you before, my, my mother couldn't make dinner for my father for three days. She was obsessed with it. Fabulous, fabulous <laughs> book that was. But today we're talking about your new book, The Good Teacher, which is, again, uh, an incredible thriller full of twists and turns and so much tension. Um, I'd love to, to do a bit of a deep dive on, on the book with you, but can you give us a little snapshot of the story before we get into it? So I'm so excited to be back because it was lovely talking to you about six minutes. And actually, I'll just tell you, since uh, since we talked, it's been shortlisted for the Ned Kelly Awards. So that was amazing. Um, oh, my gosh. Yeah. So that was, yeah, which is the Australian Crime Writers Association. So that was pretty cool. Um so The Good Teacher is um, set on Sydney's northern beaches and it tells the story of Alison, who's a kindergarten teacher. Her life suddenly falls apart when her husband unexpectedly leaves the marriage and he doesn't really explain why. And so she's trying to understand why and she sort of follows him down to his new place by the beach and kind of starts stalking him, which is completely out of character because she is a good teacher. And in the meantime, a little girl, Gracie, comes into her kindergarten class, a new student, and she's lost her own mother. So Alison takes Gracie under her wing and into her heart and gives her all the love she can't give her husband and her teenage son, who's moved off with the husband as well. Uh, and then she gets more and more involved and others start to question her judgment and if she's crossed the line and what exactly is Alison doing. So it's a story of good deeds and kindness and betrayal. No, it is it is fantastic. Can I ask, where did the idea for the book come from? Was there something that you came across in your own life that provided the inspiration for this, this crazy, crazily suspenseful plot? Well, there are a few different things that came together. Um, I read some things online. There were some newspaper articles. And then also, and this was about 10 years ago, so um, I sort of had the first spark. And um, I was working as a volunteer, not working, I was volunteering at school with my, at my children's school and helping out with reading. And I was helping this little girl with the alphabet in kindergarten. And I could see she just wasn't getting it. And I thought, okay, my mission this year is to teach her the alphabet, along with the teacher, of course. I was just doing reading. Um, and, um, and I was trying really hard. And then the next week she came in and she said, oh, Daddy's gone to jail and he'd been arrested and their family life, you know, was suddenly falling apart. And I saw she needed so much more help than mm. just with reading and so I was talking to the mum and how could I help. And then I started to look at myself and think why am I, why am I getting so involved in this, these strangers' lives? I didn't really know them. And uh, what is it about me that makes me want to help? So I sort of was looking at that flip side of, you know, kindness and compassion but also the white knight syndrome where you, 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 you feel you have to help and sometimes the motivations are not, not always what they seem. So, so Petronella, out of all the characters in the book, I think I might know the answer to this, but which one did you resonate the most with? 
Well, the book's written from um, four different perspectives. There's Alison, the kindergarten teacher, who's closest in age to me and, uh, yeah, sort of has a, I wouldn't say a similar life, but, yes, I guess, kind of. Um, and then there's Luke, who's Gracie's dad, and he's a young, fit gym instructor but caring for his daughter and has lost his wife and he's going through a very difficult time. Um, and Maz, who's, another, who's a younger gym instructor, and she's very enthusiastic and ambitious, and uh, Felix, who's Alison's 15-year-old son. So I I know you think I'm just going to say I resonate most strongly with Alison, but in fact I feel that all the characters are a little part of me, mm-hmm. more so than in six minutes. Like I feel, um, you know, Alison's obviously that sort of mum part of me and, and the, the wife and the mother, but then Luke's, you know, he's got the – terrible things happening in his life and I feel I really feel he's trying his hardest to be a good dad which is you know I'm trying to be a good mum um but then Maz Maz is like a younger version of me she wants to save the world as well but she's a bit naive and doesn't quite know what she's doing and I I had that enthusiasm when I was younger (laughs) and Felix well Felix is a bit confused about what's going on so yeah absolutely so so you resonated with, with all of them so I'm not giving you a full answer. <laughs> yes, that's okay. It's far more interesting not to have a full answer. I get that. I, I, to be honest, when I read it as well, I felt I could identify with probably Maz. Definitely, I think that that wonderful, you know, bold-eyed naivety and but enthusiasm and passion. I, oh, I think I still have a probably a little bit too much of that sometimes. But um, yeah, and Alison incredibly, <laughs> and and I so got Felix. I think because I've got four sons. Oh, I felt like I could, you know, my boys have walked in his shoes and his story just, you know, resonated so uh, so deeply with me. But, um, yeah, no, the characters were fantastic actually and so complex and, 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 and yeah, qu- quite deep and layered and, and oh, there were surprises that were revealed about their, I suppose, their characters as the book went on, hence the great tension. So um, one of the things I loved about the book was the time and place. This is one of my favourite parts, I think. You know, and obviously um, the bushfire season which ravaged Australia end of 2019 and 2020 um, played a big part in the, in the in the backdrop to the story. So I'm assuming that you were writing while Australia was burning. Is that, is that, is that right? Well, I was actually writing. So it probably took me two years to write the book and I'd, I'd finished it before, oh, well, just as the bushfires were starting, I think. But then I was doing a structural edit and then a copy edit, and so I had, I already had, uh, so I had a lot of bushfire in there. Oh, maybe, oh yeah, no, maybe I was just finishing it when the bushfires started. Um, and I've always, I think, because I grew up in the country and we had bushfires, and then I lived in Canberra when the bushfire was on happened there. I feel, you know, I feel that real fear of bushfires. Anyway, and then, yes, when Australia was burning, it really was, it really made its way into the final version of the book. Um, but then I had to do some changes because I was doing the final, final edit when the pandemic kind of hit. And originally, you know, in the book, they, they uh, fly to Chicago, but obviously that couldn't happen if it was in the middle of the pandemic year. So I did have to reset everything back by a year. 
Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, and so the book is also set in the northern part of Sydney, which uh, you know you and I reside in and spent a lot of time in. Um, and I loved the references to the beaches and to Manly, to Kirkall and good old Warringah <laughs> Mall, which we all love. Um, I bet the locals have gone wild. Well, it was funny. My friend just sent me a photo this morning and there's a great big billboard of the book outside Warrywood Mall and I went, oh, my gosh, that's amazing. Um, but I think, um, you know, the setting really plays into some of the themes about health and wellness and fitness, which is sort of the gym instructor side of the book. Um, and, you know, here in the Northern Beaches, they say that they're some of the healthiest people in Australia because because of the beautiful environment. People are swimming and surfing and jogging and cycling and kayaking and all those things. And um, so I kind of look at that in the book and both the sort of positives and negatives of um, the health and wellness and fitness kind of story. Definitely. So the book also taps into quite a lot of meaty themes. Um, the first one, obviously, that is, is so apparent is the theme of kindness. And we see that with Alison extending incredible kindness uh, to, to Gracie. And then there's also the kindness of the local community when they, they rally behind Gracie and her dad, Luke, uh, to fundraise to get them to Chicago, like you mentioned. Do you think that the fact that 2020 has been such a crap year, let's be honest. We've you know, we've had the bushfires in Australia and then we've, you know, obviously got the pandemic just still happening. Do you think it was even more relevant than ever to, to weave that in? I know you've written this over two years, but when you were doing your final edit, was was that something that was a priority for you? Yeah, well I think particularly with the bushfires, I think with the bushfires we just saw how Australia Australian communities can come together. And and I guess the book the book is like it's about a community coming together and how a community works uh, and so really that that kindness of communities you know down the south coast and um, in Victoria every you know everywhere um, people coming together all over the place and then I think people you know the Celeste Barber um, uh, mm. fundraiser online the kindness of people who felt from all over the world who just wanted to do something to help Australia in any way they could and um, but then I guess I was also interested in the flip side of that as well how a community can also be kind of negative because I'm writing because I'm writing a psychological thriller but in real life I uh, in real life I believe the kindness of human nature wins out and that there's more people who are kind than uh, than otherwise and I guess also with the pandemic you know we we've seen that wonderful kindness Absolutely. But I like the fact that you don't shy away from the fact that it's just not all bees and skittles and, you know, kindness prevails. There are unfortunately some that, you know, don't always have uh, the community's best interest at heart and uh, possibly a little bit Machiavellian. Yes. I think we saw that at the beginning of the pandemic with, uh, you know, the toilet paper wars and various various moments in the pandemic. Uh, we've seen that that side of human nature as well. Exactly. When self-interest wins over community interest, I suppose, that's that big tug of war that a lot of people have struggled with mm. in 2020. Uh, but the other the other uh, theme which, you know, resonated with, with me because, you know, I'm smack bang in the middle age uh, was, I suppose, the fact that you really focused on, I suppose, what I'm going to call the plight of the middle-aged woman, some of the, the trials and tribulations and stresses that, you know, many women our age go through. 
And to be honest, I'm just going to read a quote, if you don't mind. I I wasn't able to remember this off the top of my head. Um, So this is actually, so at the start of the book, Alison is is struggling with the breakdown of her marriage, like you mentioned before, Um, and she, she doesn't really know what's happened but just that it's over. And so in her head she says to herself, soon they'll all know that I'm not enough, not interesting enough, not smart enough, not funny enough, not clever enough, not pretty enough. Not enough to keep a husband of 24 years. Now, Alison was clearly and understandably struggling with this abrupt, you know, finale or the finish to her marriage, rather. And look, I've I've walked beside, you know, I've got friends who've been in similar situations, and it's 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 very hard. Uh, what was it that made you want to share this particular middle-aged women's journey? Well, I think uh, you know it is that real shock of how you expect your life. To be and suddenly it changes and you have no control over it. I mean, it's it's a it's like a, an unexpected death. You have no control over what's going on in your life. And also, yes, I've had friends who've been going through it, and um, you know, and some of some of them have made the choice, and some of them have been the one who's been left. So I, you can see it from every side. Um, but I was. I think I was interested from a personal perspective, particularly last year when I was writing the book and I've got kids, the husband, but then mum was sick and came to live with us. So I had my mum living with us and I was taking her to doctor's appointments at the same time. You know, the school was ringing about my daughter or things were happening and I just felt so like, oh, my God, I'm just needed by everybody. But then... I was thinking about the flip side of that when suddenly, you know, you complain about having to do everything, but then when suddenly you're not that person, you lose that caring role and you're not needed by anyone, then you you feel you have to make a whole new life for yourself and how do you cope? And I was interested in exploring that uh, and the way, you know, the way she deals with it and the, the grief that's come from the uh, marriage breakdown. And the sadness also, like because she feels her son is at uh, is fifteen, and he's kind of becoming independent anyway, and she feels she's losing him. So I guess for me that's sort of, um, you know, a bit autobiographical. Not that I'm losing my my children, but my children have become teenagers and a lot more independent now. So there's that sense of um, uh, moving away from your parents. Oh, absolutely. And look, you know, whilst I, you know. I, I, I am married and I've, got, I've obviously got four kids. I, I really resonated with that because my kids, my eldest son's 23 and my youngest is 17 and there's such a shift. I mean, my husband and I often laugh about how, you know, five, five sort of eight years ago we would have six sporting commitments on a Saturday and our whole lives were so, you know, child-centred and I know that only having one left at school with only a sniff of a moment left, um, our lives have had to change and that I, I am not needed as much as I was. Even even probably three years ago, and I know that for me it's had to be a real a real mindset shift, and I've had to sort of fill that void a little bit. So, obviously, her marriage her marriage breakdown leaves a really big hole. But I think a lot of us in our middle age are, are transitioning and uh, are filling voids from when we were so needed and so busy and so crazy those crazy days having small children. So yeah, I really I really resonated with that. Interesting what you say about the sporting commitments because in the book, Alison, you know, Alison was the one to always organize, you know, know when soccer was on and be taking the um, Felix to soccer, and that was her community. Those those parents in the soccer club, and and now with 
the breakdown with the in the marriage, she's having to find a new community or work out who's you know who are her friends. Some of them have gone with the husband. Some of them aren't interested. She's not always wanted at soccer, you know. So it's that kind of minefield as well. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Finding new people, it's, it's very, very challenging. Um, the other theme uh, in the book, which is, is, is really interesting and so relevant to me, is the whole theme of trust. Um, and I suppose on so many levels this, this theme is, is weaved into the book. Now, we're not going to give away any spoilers, so for those of you who are, who are listening or watching, do not feel like you need to stop now because we're not going to ruin it because it's an incredible, incredible finale. But I think the whole idea of how we form trust is so relevant to, to us, particularly in 2020 when, you know, we are living, we've had to live the bulk of our lives online, you know, to get through the pandemic. And I, I, I think that, you know, in my role as, you know, my, my cyber safety ambassador role with McAfee, my cyber mum role, I'm a really big proponent of, of critical thinking and developing critical thinking in your kids and not be, you know, not be too quick to, to form an opinion and to do your due diligence and do your due diligence rather and uh, don't accept the first piece of information that comes your way online. Why did you decide to, to focus on trust so, so much in this book? Well, I think we've been seeing it more and more with the fake news, even before the pandemic, you know, uh, a lot of um, so much online uh, is, is is not through a traditional media anymore. Newspapers are kind of dying, dare we say. Um, and I think, you know, where you get your news from is curated now according to what you already believe. So uh, online because of the, um, you know, the algorithms, you know, I don't know, I don't know enough about it, but, you know, you just see what, some of the stuff that you already believe and you don't see anything to question that point of view. Um, and so Maz in particular is doing research online and she's just believing whatever comes up and not not critically thinking, as you would say. And I, I was really interested in that kind of um, approach and, you know, really as a cautionary tale, I won't go into too much detail there. But, um, yeah, so I think our kids, our teenagers, everyone's online and um, we need to teach them how to look at things in a very critical way and question things. But then more broadly than that, um, you know, Alison's a teacher in a position of influence so people automatically trust her and the same, Luke is trusting the medical specialists that they're seeing and we have a journalist, people are trusting his his story. So I was interested also in, in a community sense how you decide who you can trust and um, how do you how do you make those decisions? And I, I can't tell you the answers because it's really <laughs> just an exploration of how, how do you how do you trust people? And um, yes. No, no, very good. No, very good. And I, I also think it was interesting that you explored uh, the impact that people can have as influencers online and the responsibility that comes with that because I think that's also uh, something that is very relevant for people. I don't think people realise how much power and influence they wield online and, and it can often just be even sharing something that you are unsure about online perpetuates fake news and perpetuates that lack of critical thinking. So I thought that was really, really great, actually, with my cyber safety hat on that you uh, mm-hmm. you, you uh, weaved that into the to the storyline. 
But Petronella, I wonder how COVID has affected this whole experience for you because I, I, I know pre-COVID that when one writes and releases a book, it's quite the experience. There's a tour and there's, there's, there's overnight stays and roadshows and champagne and cake and, and all the rest of it. And uh, I think COVID has changed that, although I did see a fabulous good teacher cake that you popped online, which I think uh, was made for the, for the release of the book. But how has it affected you as a writer having COVID in your life with a new book? Uh, well, firstly, the um, yeah, normally we would be going on, a, on tour or even going to bookshops to sign uh, books, um, doing library talks, all sorts of lovely things to meet readers and discuss the book and everything's online now and I think um, which is, you know, in one way it's good because more people can see it. So I did, uh, I did have a family launch with um, my family from England and Spain and obviously they've, you know, they wouldn't have got to do that otherwise. And, yes, the cake, I just wanted cake. I love cake. <laughs> so I had um, 20 people in, oh, no. So last year for six minutes I had 150 people in a hall and this year I had 20 people in the backyard with, with uh, COVID regulations. Um, and so I guess we are all online sharing you know there's a lot of amazing books that have come out recently so we're just all trying to share each other's books and get 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 people to know about them but in terms of actually writing so as I said I was finishing this as the pandemic started and uh, I was supposed to be starting my new book and I just found my creativity was just had just sort of disappeared and I think because particularly in writing domestic thrillers I'm trying to put my characters through, a, you know, the worst situations I can put them through. And then here in real life we just had this horrendous situation and I just, you go, what's the point? I don't want to write about, I don't want to write stories about people in terrible situations and who wants to read, you know. But 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 having got through all that, then I found solace in reading because it could take us out of lockdown. You know, you can you, in a book you can go somewhere else. So that was really good. So I actually have bought and read so many more books this year than in other years. Yeah, oh, absolutely, absolutely. But I know that irrespective of you know, having the COVID factor, the book has just got such an incredible, incredible response. Um, you know, I know that the bookshops that I often spend a lot of time in, it's been it's been front and centre and um, I'm always asking about how it's going and they said, yes, we're really sold out. So people are loving it. So I don't think it's dampened people's enthusiasm for your book, which is really good. <laughs> Fantastic. So is there one message you would like your readers when they finish the last page to, to come away with, something that, you know, that they need to process after finishing the book? Well, as I said before, um, you know, well, it's a psychological thriller so it explores various sides of human nature. But in real life I really do believe in kindness and good deeds and um, so to be compassionate about other people, to be kind and um to care for each other as a community. I think that's that's what we really need going into this crazy future that we seem to have. Oh, here, here, absolutely, absolutely. So, Petronella, where, where can we find the book? If I wanted to buy it, where can I get it? I think the book is everywhere, as you said, where, where it hasn't sold out. So it's in um, it's in all the independent bookshops. It's in, book, it's in Big W and Target and Kmart. It's in... 
Uh, you can buy it online through Booktopia. It's the Apple, uh, one of the Apple books of the month, so you can buy it on Apple. Um, yeah, and it, there's an audio book too, so yes. Oh, fantastic. I'm always interested. Who's narrating the audio book and do you have any say in that? Uh, yeah, they do They do ask me, you know, which which sort of voice, what, what, what voice would I like kind of thing. So um, I sort of suggest people. Well, suggest people who sound like people and then they come back with who's available. But I think I was very lucky because it was about, you know, the pandemic time when a lot of acting had stopped. So, and now I can't remember her name. Um, So I've got this wonderful actor who uh, was based in England and I think is back in Australia now and um, she narrates it beautifully and I really wish I could remember her name. Anna, Anna, Anna Scalern, Anna, Anna Scalern. I think, yes, but she's, um, yeah, she does it wonderfully. Oh, that's so great. That's so great. Absolutely. So can I ask now, obviously this book has been put to bed. You know, you've got a bit more time on your hands. I know you've got a new puppy, but is there another book on the horizon? Is there something else you're working on in between puppy management? <laughs> yes, but normally I write at 6 o'clock in the morning and I see that's when I get up for the puppy and I play with the puppy for an hour. Uh, but apart from puppiness, uh, sorry, the puppy is just a few, only been with us for three days, so it's still very, very exciting, very early days. Uh, but the new book, yes, the new book is um, set on the mid-north coast of New South Wales and uh, it's really, again, about a community, I guess. I'm really interested in how a community works, perhaps because I grew up in a country town where, you know, lots of people knew each other. But every, you know, every suburb has communities that's that's what we are um and so yes it's a it's a mystery i won't say too much about that but it does have these sort of um subplots about tourism and how a tourist town survives and i'm writing so this book will come out in april 2022 ish so i'm trying to write what I think will happen with the pandemic in terms of tourism. And that's really a bit tricky to look into the future and try and figure out how to talk about the pandemic. And so it's a it's an issue that a few authors are facing right now. How do we talk about the pandemic in a in a general sense? Because I'm writing contemporary fiction and I want it to be, you know, of the moment. As you say, the bushfires are in, you know, the current book. Um, yeah, so I want people to resonate with what's happening in their lives and to be real. So I really need to work out how to write about the pandemic. What's going to happen? Yeah. You need a crystal ball, my friend. That's hard. <laughs> Just out of interest, would you have a positive approach? Do you Are you a bit of a, a, a glass half empty or a glass half full type when it comes to how you think the pandemic's going to unfold? Well, personally, I think I'm, I'm a <laughs> – no, no, I think personally I'm a glass – half full well the optimistic one whatever the the optimistic one um but um in the in the book i was looking at yeah the pandemic affecting tourism and and this particular tourist business going down and they needing money and then i turned and i'd written sort of started writing that and then i turned over the paper on the weekend and it said regional tourism is booming everything's booked out because everyone can't go overseas <laughs> I have to work that out Exactly, exactly. And I have to say, just from a personal experience, we were thinking about going up further north and the mid-north coast in the upcoming school holidays. And we were, I think it was six weeks out. There was nothing left. I'm talking about Byron Bay. There was absolutely nothing left except for youth hostels. My husband said, I'm not staying at a youth hostel at 53. Fair enough, I suppose. But um, yeah, it's gone crazy. Absolutely crazy. So uh, silver linings, I suppose. 
Petronella, thank you yes. so much. This book, honestly, I read it, and I, and I know you know this, I read it yesterday in a day. I didn't do much else, but it just captivated me. And as always, when I start reading, I think I'm going to read 50 pages and I'll go and put a load of washing on or, you know, do the dishwasher. Well, that didn't happen. I just kept going. And um, and it's an, when I say it's an easy read, that's not because it's simple. It's because it's very well written and uh, you, you're a very captivating author. So uh, thank you so much for this book. It is such a gift to us all during this time. Yeah. Thank you, Alex. It's so lovely to hear. And I, I meant to say also, I do have, um, if anyone's doing it for book clubs outside of this book club, I mean other book clubs, I do have book club questions on my website and um, on the Alan and Unwin website too. So there's book club questions that can help you further explore the issues that we're discussing. Oh, very good. I didn't see those. That might have helped with my interview. But anyway, next time. Thank you so much, Fentanyl. Lots of love. We'll be we'll be in contact when the next book comes out. Hopefully, will that be twenty twenty one? Is that a, is that next year? Uh, the year after. The year after. Year after. Okay. Okay. Anyway, lots of love and thank you so much again. Thank you, Alex. So lovely to be here.